Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name's Jim. Thanks for riding along today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com once you've arrived inside of our webpage. You can find Boomer's General Store, links to podcast platforms now including iHeartRadio, Podchaser, and Player FM. You can email us at babyboomertales at gmail.com. I'm trying out a new microphone today, and the way I do this is I've tested and tested, but you really don't know until after you start putting the podcast all together after you've recorded it. And so if I like it, I'll stick with it. If not, I'll go back to my old trusty. I've had it for over three years now going on four and I've loved that mic but there's a few things I thought maybe a new one would be better for and so here we are speaking into a brand new microphone October is here it's the most wonderful time of the year don't you think I like October trees are starting to turn just a little we'll see the beauty of all that pretty soon we have a new segment We will see if this sticks around. Oh, no, not again. Oh, no, oh, no, no, yeah, 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 Coke. Refreshing, right? The two places on this earth that don't have Coca-Cola are North Korea since 1950 and Cuba since 1962. The reason they don't have Coca-Cola is because of the long-term trade embargoes the United States has on those two countries. I like to teach the world to sing. Our song of the week is Let It All Hang Out by The Hombres. It has been described as a deadpan southern fried parody to Bob Dylan's subterranean homesick blues. The actual title of it is Let It Out, Let It All Hang Out, released in 1967. In the intro of the song, the opening spokesman is a guy named Reed Engel and his natural seven. That is a recording from 1947 of old Reed. A parchment, dear friends, you are about to receive on John Barleycorn, Nicotine, and the Temptations of Eve. It reached number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100, but we don't care. The two minutes and six seconds of song encourage us to just let it all hang out. Over the last almost four years now, my podcast has evolved. I started out with just stories and realized that you can't just tell stories because long ago I ran out of stories and I have to rack my brain to figure out new stories. That's why I'm going to take a little trip back to my old hometown soon 
and try to jumpstart my brain and remember some of the stuff that I experienced all those years, the 38 years I lived there. Hopefully it'll work because I'm having a little bit of a rough time, but just just the other day, I started to remember, as I was driving of all things, a little story about driving a lumber truck for the local lumberyard back in my little hometown up in the north central Colorado Rocky Mountains, 8,000 feet above sea level, a place the locals refer to as God's country. Where I lived in that little hometown up on the hill, right over the hill and down the hill and a couple blocks on 1st Street, the same street I would ride my sled down, blocks south of the little league field, across Jasper from old Doc Ogden's place, in Caddy Corner to Susie, Jeff, and Jenny's house, there was a big old building there that took up the whole half block from the alley to the street, and it stretched all the way to the west to Zero Street. So it took up the whole block on that half of the street. Wayne's house was across the alley. The school was across the street. Billy could hit a baseball all the way to it, and that was the lumber yard. The name of it was Park Lumber, and the building itself was a big old building. I'd go in with my dad when I was little to get something. I was amazed that you could walk up these stairs and there's lumber up high out back in the yard itself with stacks and stacks of lumber. You go into the building itself and they'd try to sell you a saw or a hammer or a jigsaw. There's paint there and flooring and all kinds of stuff a lumber yard in the 1950s and 1960s would have. These are not to be mistaken with big box stores. And I know those big box stores want you to believe that they're just a large lumber yard. But there's no comparison to a lumber yard and those stores. Sure, those stores sell lumber, flooring, paint, tools, all that stuff also. And lots of it. Lots and lots of it. But you go in there and some guy wearing a cloth carpenter's apron. Remember those things before we had those nice leather deals? Your little pouches in the front. Put your nails and whatever. Stick your hammer between the thing that you tied together in the back and your belt. Well, there's people there working. Old Skip would always take care of your every need. Skip, I want 10 2x4s. I want them straight, please. You got it, Don. All that stuff. Bring it right to your car or your pickup truck, let me say. After I grew up and Roger and I started remodeling that old dilapidated log cabin out at the Jap camp, fixing it up, making it worthy to live in, turned out to be a nice place. We went into the lumberyard a couple times a week to get stuff. Linseed oil, window, chinking. We'd ask Skip, how do you chink logs, Skip? He'd tell us, he'd show us. He'd sell us a saw. One time he sold us a saw. The way he did that, if you remember hand saws, big old handle on one side and the saw was probably two and a half, three feet long. And he sat down and he bet that 
blade of that saw and took a wood dowel and started playing a little song on that saw. Make that saw sing. So I've known Skip for a whole long time. We bought the saw. Well, he gave me a job one time. I was in there buying something. He says, hey, I need a driver to drive a couple times a week to Denver and pick up materials and bring them back. And so I said, I could do that. He said, you have to leave early in the morning, get back after store closes. No problem. Once or twice a week, that's right. So I started my career as being the park lumber truck driver. Now, I wouldn't go and get the big, big racks of wood or any of that. I imagine that was delivered on the train, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I'd get up early in the morning, and I had an old 1952 Chevy pickup. That's about the only time I drove that truck very seldom because I couldn't really afford gas. The only job I had was I was feeding Louie's horses up there by Third Valley. Louie owned part of the drugstore. I'd come to town every day. I usually had to hitchhike, walk the three to four miles from the camp to the highway, then hitchhike into town because Louie didn't pay me too much to feed those horses daily. So I would drive my old pickup. I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning, dust myself off, get in that old Chevy pickup truck, and I'd drive the 12, 15 miles, whatever it took me, into town. I'd be there by 5. The truck was supposed to be ready for me. I'd get in that truck and head towards Denver. Now, in a car, that's about an hour and a half trip to the west side of the Denver metropolitan area. But I had to go in and stop at every little window place and door place and all these specialty things like maybe doorknobs and stuff. Drive all over town. And then I would go to the main lumberyard there in Denver. These guys would unload the truck. And I'd go in and probably take a little break. Come back out and reload it with stuff from that lumberyard also. And then I would make sure everything was all tied down and head for the mountains. Well, that truck, when I got in it in the morning, was always supposed to be ready. A guy named Dude, I've known Dude my whole life. At least I knew Dude my whole life. His whole life. Well, you know, from the time I was a kid, he is a little older than me. I think the last time I saw Dude is... The week I moved to Kansas, that's the last time I ever saw the man. But he was supposed to have that truck ready, and, you know, eight times out of ten, he had it totally ready. It's just those two times out of ten, he didn't. For whatever reason, he either had it so there wasn't enough gas in it, I have to get gas, or the chains and the booms and stuff weren't there, or maybe there was a tire that was low or something. It didn't happen often. I'm sure he was busy and that was probably a lower priority to him where it was my 100% priority. And maybe if I lived in town, I would have went by and checked it out the day before. But, you know, I lived a long ways away and I had no money for gas except enough gas to get there and then get myself home. Well, that poor old truck always had a problem. I'd say half the time... We had a problem with it. If it was something that dude had forgotten, or if it was just the truck. 
Now, really, I'm not coming down on dude whatsoever because that didn't really come into play but a couple times. Having dude have the truck prepared correctly. Maybe more than a couple, but very seldom. But the truck itself was either worn out or a lemon or something. It broke down on me about every other trip. Something happened. One time, I was overweight, and I had to call Skip in the middle of the night. I called him, you know, 8 o'clock at night, and he had to come about an hour and a half to the waste station there on the highway, and we had to unload half of my truck into another truck Skip brought so I'd make weight on my truck. Another time, I was driving through the canyon there, and all of a sudden, fire started coming out of where the stick shift was on the floorboard. I stopped the truck right in the middle of the road, looked. There was no traffic either way back in 1971 or whatever. There wasn't a whole lot of traffic, and there was no place to pull over the side of the road. I was in the canyon, and flames were coming up. I felt the hood and it was hot, and I thought, this sucker's going to blow. Well, I took off running towards the direction I came from and flagged down the first car and said, don't drive there, this truck up ahead is going to blow. Well, there was an old man and his wife, and we sat there, and we sat there for about five minutes, and it didn't blow, and it wasn't burning, you couldn't see anything, so we walked up to the truck, and... It must have been a grease fire or something. It had put itself out. I felt a little stupid that I overreacted, but the man was very understanding. Asked if he could help. I said, no. No, I'll see how far I go again before it catches fire again. We had things like that. Sometimes I wouldn't get home till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. That truck, always something happened. Generally, it happened in Denver. Get a flat tire, the oil light come on, something. It usually happened in Denver. A couple times I had to take one of their trucks, bring it home. But those deals where I wouldn't get home till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, get back to the lumber yard, that is. Then I'd have to drive myself home. It was a 24-hour day. Thank goodness I only did it once or twice a week. Sometimes, you know, I'd leave at 5. I'd be home by 8, you know, but those aren't the times I remember. What I do remember, though, is Skip feeling bad for me. And eventually, after one traumatic time, I told Skip, you know, you guys obviously aren't going to get another truck, and I just can't do this anymore. I love you, Skip, but I got to find another line of employment. I saw Skip. The last time I saw him was at my Uncle Jim's funeral. One of the nicest men I ever knew. He probably didn't deserve owning that truck either. If you like our podcast, all I ask is that you share it. Always be kind. You'll be glad you were. I'll be back next Wednesday with bells on. Peace out.